You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, this is Katie from Queens. As you know, we are on our summer break, but we don't. I don't like to leave you high and dry all summer with no Queen's content to take in. Today, we are giving you guys an episode from our Patreon vault. This episode on Sojourner Truth is, um, it can be kind of a lot, but it's a really important story that we told last year around this time for Independence Day. But because it can kind of be a lot, I wanted to give a couple of trigger warnings up top about abuse and sexual assault. If you're not in the mood for those kind of things today, what I'm actually going to do is put in the show notes where you can jump to to hear the story beyond the trauma. That being said, I hope you enjoy this classic Patreon episode about this amazing woman. And if this is your first time listening to Queen's podcast, warning, we curse like sailors. All right. Cheers, bitches. Cause being a woman is horrible. Nathan Charles. Catherine Diane. We are full naming it today because that is the energy. Yes, queen work. We <laughs> are bringing to this story. How are you? How are you? <laughs> Fucking fantastic. Ooh. Ooh. I am excited to tell you about my chick today. I didn't realize how little I knew about Sojourner Truth, which is who you're going to be talking about today. Like, I I didn't know nothing about her. I, you know, I knew the name. It's not not one that you forget. (laughs) And um, I knew Mm -hmm. that she was an abolitionist and an activist. But there is so much that I didn't know about her story. It is... Oh my God, it's just amazing what people can overcome and rise above. I... I want to just go ahead and dive in. Disclaimer, the first half of this story is a super bummer. So let's just go ahead <laughs> and put that out there. We're dealing with slavery. Everybody. We're dealing, yeah, we're dealing with slavery. Everybody with take your. Abuse. Yeah. So take your Xanax. Take your Xanaxes. Yeah. Yeah. Just go ahead. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> just go ahead and try to. Take your you know, Xanax. <laughs> first part wine. is a bummer, but it gets better. Let's dive in. So Sojourner Truth was an asla- like was born into slavery in the late 1700s. We're thinking her birth year is probably like 1797 or something. So okay. she was born in New York, which I actually had. That was like the first thing that I had to like sit and go, what? Because I guess, you know, like when we're taught about slavery in school and stuff, we're taught about it in the context of the Civil War, which is... South versus North, uh, North against slavery, South for slavery. And so I was like, um, last, unless there's another New York, <laughs> that is in the North. And <laughs> so that was a little bit eye-opening too, that, oh, at first, actually, yeah, there were a lot of enslaved people that lived in the like New York and New England in general. And Sojourner is one of them. 
so she wouldn't have grown up like on, cause you know, I just picture like Southern plantations, but this would have been, she would have worked on smaller farms. Um, just not, you know, not gone with the wind style. <laughs> she was given the name Isabella <laughs> at birth and she was called Belle most of her early life. I am going to refer to her as Sojourner throughout this entire story. Cause that is the name she gave herself and um, yeah. also, it's just confusing <laughs> to change someone's name halfway through. Yeah, and plus, I mean, it just, Belle just makes me think of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so her parents were actually Dutch-speaking. The village that she lived in when she was born and for, like, the first part of her life was all Dutch-speaking. It was a Dutch settlement, so, which... I thought was interesting, like, but yeah, there's, there was a huge Dutch community in New York back then. So she was, her mother and her father, like both her her biological parents lived on this farm too, which again, wasn't always a given. And her parents seemed to have been in love which again oh, wasn't that's always- refreshing, right? That's- right. Don't worry, it gets depressing. Um, goes from refreshing to depressing pretty fast. The first like nine years of her life, she lived with her parents on this farm. They all worked on this farm together, and her parents seemed to be in love. The way that it worked when you were like an enslaved person is they basically like assigned you a spouse. Um, they couldn't like legally get married. And then if you were like sold to a different family, that that like union was dissolved and you were like assigned a new spouse if they wanted you to make make babies. So you're basically like uh, livestock. <sighs> yes, it's horrible. So she, so their, her parents had lots of babies. I don't, I don't have any idea how many of her brothers and sisters she lived with at this first farm that she lived on, if any. Like, I don't know if she was like the baby and the rest of them were sold off. I read that they had anywhere between 10 and 12 children. So I don't know how many of her siblings Ooh. she knew. My guess is she was probably the last one, it, but I have no idea. Her parents, her, her mother was religious and would pray and would tell Sojourner to like say her prayers and stuff like that. But they weren't taught like religion, like going to church. It was, you know, they couldn't read the Bible. Mm-hmm. So it was all like, you know, word of mouth kind of. While she had something of religion in her early upbringing, it was just more of like, you know, when you're a little kid and you say your prayers before bedtime with your parents, it was kind of just like that. So okay. uh, Sojourner remained with her parents on that farm until she was nine years old when or the patriarch of that family died and they sold all of their livestock, which disgustingly also included the people. So oh. I, she was sold for a hundred dollars along with a flock of sheep, which I mean, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were literally treated like livestock. She was sold alone. So she's being separated from her parents. She is being separated from her. If she hadn't had any brothers or sisters, that just sounds like the scariest experience in the world. You're nine, you're a baby and you're going to this new place with no constant, no familiarity, like nothing. Everything is changing. 
It wasn't super far from where her parents got sold off to, I I think like 10 miles or something. But back then, when you're a little kid, 10 miles may as well have been a different universe, you know? It's not like she yeah, can write, right. It's not like she can call them up and talk to them. Um, and it's not like she can write them letters. She can't read, you know. <sighs> she is sold to the family of this dude named John Neely. And from the way she described her time with John Neely's family, it makes me believe that like maybe that first farm she was at, she didn't experience any physical abuse because Hold on to your butts. This part sucks. She got the shit beat out of her constantly while living with the Neely family. Oh and it was a surprise to her. Uh, she It all started with she didn't speak English and the Neelys didn't speak Dutch. And so they, instead of like <laughs> trying to communicate with her, they would be like, you know, do the dishes or whatever. And then when she didn't immediately start doing the dishes because she doesn't know what you're saying, they would uh, beat the shit out of her. And wow, what the fuck is wrong with these people? It's not a method of language learning that I've tried. Duolingo has very little violence associated with um, language learning. <laughs> I don't, We don't suggest it. She did pick up English pretty quick, but they still just found other reasons to abuse her. She was there for two years. So from like ages nine to 11, and she sustained injuries with the Neely family that left her physically scarred for the rest of her life. Mentally as well. She's like nine, 10, 11. Oh my God. Yeah. Can you imagine that level of anxiety? Like just like, just, I'm going to get beat no matter what I do today. Like, just try to avoid it. Try to keep your head down. Try to not make any mistakes. I, it, it just breaks my fucking heart. There was one story that's particularly um, a bummer. John Neely put these metal rods over the fire. And then when they got hot, he then beat her with them. What yeah. the fuck is... Oh my God. This guy has a special place in fucking hell. That is just this oh whole other level of sadistic. Like, I... <laughs> so, sometime after the Rod incident, her father was able to come visit her. And she just is like... She's telling him what she's experiencing. She's showing him like her injuries and she's just like, please daddy, please take me with you. Please take me with you. Please take me with you. This poor father. Cause obviously he can't, you know, yeah, he has to leave his daughter there knowing the treatment she's getting. Oh, that's, that just breaks my heart for father, for daughter, for all people who had to experience slavery. Like this is, <sighs> but We're getting to a little bit of a silver lining for a minute. The dad goes to like a white church. This was like kind of like a common thing that people might do at the time. Um, So he he's hanging outside this church and whenever it lets out, he starts like approaching people that are known to be like a little bit more friendly to black people. And it's just like, this is the situation my daughter is in. If anybody can afford to help her and like, or if anybody needs help around their house and they want to buy her, like we would be appreciate it. We would really appreciate it. I think God would think it was cool, you know, stuff like that. Eventually this guy was like, okay, sure. 
have never, his name was Martina Shriver. He had never owned a slave before in his life. He didn't have a farm. He owned a tavern. And he was like, yeah, I guess I could use help around the tavern. And he bought her for about $2 more than the Neelys had bought her for. So, I mean, she's still an enslaved person, but for her the next 18 months of her life, it doesn't seem like she suffers any abuse. So that's, that's at least one glimmer of light in her really sad childhood. (laughs) Yes. So she's about 11. She goes to live with this Martina Shriver guy who owns a tavern and she was kind of becomes like a bus boy kind of like cleaning tables. Okay. Martina Shriver gave her a head up heads up. Like, look, you're going to be around some drunk dudes. So you're going to hear some language. So she learns to curse in English and Dutch, which, uh, yes, we love it. Queen's podcast. Exactly. (laughs) She, you know, the rowdy drunken sailors taught her their, the songs that they like, I don't know, fucking sang on their boats or whatever. And it turns out she's a really good singer. So she learns to sing. She learns to curse, waits tables, makes drinks, I guess. Nice. Nice. I mean, it sounds like she's living a good life at this point. I mean, as she's good still as it can be. She's still a slave, so that fucking sucks. Um, yeah, but she's not. It doesn't seem like she's being abused. So, yay. Yes. Yes. Before we like are like, oh, it's Martina Shriver guy, saint for helping her. I mean, he doesn't set her free. So still not great. After eighteen months, he falls into debt and he has to sell. A bunch of his property and sadly she is property and she gets sold no i know Ugh. yeah so that was so now she's about like 13 14 and she gets sold to the dumont family the patriarch of this family is this guy named john dumont Well, it doesn't appear like he was physically abusive to her she would later say that he like the way she worded like about his cruelty leads people to believe that he sexually assaulted her from day one, which is oh, it's so disgusting God. that like even today, like some people won't come out just straight out and be like, well, he raped me because then the sl- that's when the slut shaming starts. Like, oh, well, how sexy were you? You must you know? have been wearing something revealing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, she never came out and straight up was like, yeah, he raped me, sexually abused me. Because being a woman is horrible. They would have <laughs> such a good, such a good song. Yeah, we should put that out on iTunes. <laughs> That's all it is. It's a ringtone. Being a woman is horrible. So he probably started sexually abusing her the moment she showed up, which is gross because she's 13, 14. Ugh. To make things worse, as if they could be, Mrs. Dumont is jealous. What the fuck of a 14-year-old that is getting raped? Yes. And she starts, it just said like she started being aggressive towards Sojourner. I'm not sure if that means physically aggressive. I, I'm i sure it was verbally aggressive, definitely. It doesn't seem like she doesn't tell any stories of any like cruelty when it comes to like being beaten at this time. So, um, yay. I don't fucking know. I just hate that. I know. Um, I just hate that. Cause like as a, even as a white woman in the 1800s, 
you don't got any fucking rights. Your husband could beat the shit out of you and there was nothing you could do. So like, there's this chance for like this female camaraderie there and just be like, oh, I know, isn't he the worst? But instead she's like jealous and mean to this child that your husband is abusing and you're just making it worse. Like, ugh, fuck the Dumonts is what I'm getting at. <laughs> yes. They sound like awful, terrible garbage people. I do not care for the Dumonts. Yes. Garbage people. Unfortunately, she was with them for 15 years. Gross. I know. Dumont used this way of um, manipulating the workers, his enslaved people, to be like, oh, if you finish all your work by two, you can have the rest of the afternoon to yourself. You can go visit somebody, like whatever you want. And so then they would hustle, 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 finish all their work super fast. Then he'd be like, oh, I didn't say two. I said one. It's one thirty. So Sorry. Oh my God, what a dick. I, don't, I just don't see the point in that either. Like if you're not going to give them the time mm-hmm. off, why, what, just to make them work faster? I, I don't fucking get it. So that was his personality. So a little bit of silver lining that then turns into another super bummer. Sojourner falls <laughs> in <laughs> The first half, the first act of this play is depressing. Sojourner falls in love with a man named Robert. Robert lived at a neighboring farm. So they had different, like they were enslaved by different quote unquote owners. I don't like using that phrase owner, but I don't know what the terminology is. There's like a less controversial. A more woke way to, I don't know. I don't like it, but that's, you know, that was the legal term. Robert sounds like a really nice guy. Like he would bring her flowers and he would, they would go for walks and he would tell her she was beautiful and they planned to, I know they planned to get married and she like during her courtship with Robert, she did have a baby girl. It's assumed that was Robert's baby, but the parentage of any children, she had five children in her life and the parentage of them are speculation because, you know, she was being raped by Dumont also. So we yeah. don't know. So it uh, could could be some of them could be his kids. Yeah. If not all of them. We just don't know. Robert's slave master dude. He finds out that Robert has had, has fathered a child, supposedly. And the way that it worked back then is whoever owned the woman owned the child. Basically... Uh, Dumont just got more livestock. Gross, but that's how it was viewed at the time. Like, he just got more property. And so Robert's owner dude was like, no, if you're going to be making babies, you're going to be making babies on my farm. He finds out Robert is over there visiting Sojourner, and he goes over there, pulls Robert out into the field, and just beats the shit out of him. Like, almost killed him. I know. White people are evil. I know. I don't like this story or this part of the story. It's just, and Sojourner, can you imagine like if the person you love and the person that says they love you, possibly you're the father of your child. You can't, and you can't do anything to stop it. Like he's getting the shit beat out of him. And if you run out there to try to stop him, it's just going to happen to you also. So that's not helping anybody. And so she just stood there power powerless until Dumont did come out and was like, Hey, 
you can't kill this man on my property. Please leave now. And they never, they never saw each other again. And oh my God. <laughs> so it was about this time that Sojourner was like, okay, white people are evil. All white people. <laughs> I mean, can you blame her? Nope. <laughs> I absolutely cannot blame her one bit because she hasn't been shown otherwise. I mean, I guess her time with that Shriver guy was a little bit of a reprieve, but he still sold her, you know? Mm. She's just like, I hate all white people. White people are inherently evil. She does kind of find God at this time. Her, Because later in life, she'd be very, very, very religious. And it was about this time that she actually started to, like, investigate more about, like, who was this Jesus dude? What is this all about? Which, you know, again, not surprising. When people, people need something to give them. So a lot of people turn to religion. After that, Dumont's like assign her a husband and it's this dude named Thomas. I don't know a whole lot about Thomas. Thomas is not in the story for very long, but she then goes on to have five children in total. She has a baby named James who dies in infancy. And then she has three more kids, supposedly all by Thomas, but we don't know. Peter, Elizabeth, and Sophia. And they are born like bam, bam, bam right one right after the other so shift and let's talk about legislation because in the new york state legislation there's this really fun law coming up that's going to abolish slavery in 1827 cool well that's awesome right weird it has been in the works since 1799 now how did that work i don't like i don't know why they maybe they thought it would just be too much of a shock to just like Set them, like, just be like, okay, emancipation. And, like, they wanted to give people, like, 30 years to get used to, like, I don't know. Um, That makes zero sense. It makes zero sense. And I can't decide if people would view that as, like, oh, it's a light at the end of the tunnel. I know this is going to end sometime soon. Or if this has been going on for 27 years and you're, like, 18 or something, you might just not even believe it's actually going to happen. Like, it's just something people talk about. Yeah. you become kind of like jaded and you think that it's just, it's going to keep getting pushed off further and further back. Yeah. Right. So I don't, I don't know why they did it that way, but that's how it was. So our girl is ready for some freedom. She approaches Dumont and she's like, look, there's like a year. We, we don't got that long left. Can I, can I get off early? Like, can I be let go <laughs> early? Dumont did what he did and was like, um, Yeah. So over this next year, if you just hustle, if you just work your absolute hardest, I'll let you go a year early. And Sojourner is like, yes, sir. And she just gets to work and she busts her ass. She's pregnant most of this time too. Oh my God. And she's just like busting her ass, working as hard as she can. New law, the emancipation law was going to go into effect July 4th, 1827. So on July, July 4th, 1826, she goes to Dumont and she's like, busted my ass, did all my work, never missed a deadline. Can I go? He was like, actually, if you remember, a few months ago, you injured your hand. And I think if you hadn't had that injury, you would have worked, you would have gotten a lot more work done. So no, you didn't work as hard as you could. Are we really surprised? This guy is such an asshole. I'm not surprised at all. I I don't know if Sojourner like actually believed him because I don't, 
I'm not pegging her as a gullible person, you know? Yeah, right? Especially since he's the one that's been doing this whole, ooh, I'll let you out early if you work super hard, and then Mm -hmm. he never does. So I'm sure she... Uh, and like a part of her expected it, but also like what, what, what are her choices here? You know, it's not yeah, like no she, choices here. yeah, like, so fucking sucks. How mad on a scale of one to 10, how mad do you think she was? Uh, probably like a 10. I would be, I mean, this is yeah. your fucking freedom on the line. She's pissed. I, I would put her at like a 45 on a scale of one to 10. She's like 45. <laughs> <laughs> She is just like, all right, you want to see hard work? And over the next month, she like doesn't sleep. She busts her ass. I read that she spun a hundred pounds of wool in that month. I don't have a frame of reference for how much you're supposed to spend in a month. You know, I don't know what I, (laughs) the way it was worded, I have to assume that's a lot. So one day she wakes up and she's like, all right, I have more than made up for like whatever, like slowness, however slow I may have gone when my hand was hurt. And so like right before sunrises one morning, she takes her youngest daughter, who's like an infant, Sophie, and she gets Sophie and she just walks the fuck off the farm. Like the sun is rising. Yes, queen. I I just imagine that if this was a play, this would be the end of act one with her just walking into the sunrise the rising sun and i'm just imagining like how pretty that would be like in a movie or something like that of her just being like i'm fucking done with this baby on the hip walks the fuck off (laughs) it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Hey guys, Katie again. So if you have jumped to this part of the story to avoid all the triggers. Basically, what you need to know is that there had been a law abolishing slavery in New York State where Sojourner Truth lived, and she had a quote-unquote slave owner who was um, a shifty son of a bitch, and he didn't really seem like he ever wanted to give her her freedom. Also, he had 
most likely fathered several children by her. And one day, Sojourner has just had enough, and she just gets the fuck out of her situation, runs away with one of her children. And so I think that is the information that you need to know to be up to speed for the rest of the story. I hope you enjoy it. Good for fucking her. I mean, what? There's only a year left anyway. Just let her go. You said you were going to. Let her fucking go. You got 100 pounds of wool. It sounds like that's a lot of wool. You know, like, just let her go. It doesn't really seem like she had a plan of action, though, because she's just kind of wandering around with an infant. You know, like, I'm honestly not... (laughs) I'm not sure how long she was wandering around. I'm not really sure. I don't think she got very, very far. Eventually, she like bumps into this couple and they are Quakers. And Quakers, like the religion of being a Quaker was very anti-slavery, which honestly, I don't know how anybody could claim to be a Christian and not be anti-slavery. Because do you remember like the story of like, Moses and the enslaved Jewish people and the Pharaoh and all that. Yeah, that whole thing. <laughs> the Pharaoh is not the good guy in that story. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I don't understand how they're just like, yeah, let's talk about Passover each year. But like, whoa, don't look at it. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, y'all? Anyway, ugh, I digress. So yeah, she meets this Quaker couple. Their names are... Maria and Isaac. She is not ready to trust these people, but she's got a baby. She's got nowhere to sleep. And they're like, you can come stay with us. And so she's very apprehensive, but what it's not like they had like the YWCA or anything at this point. You know, she doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't have any choices to go anywhere. Exactly. And so she's just like, okay, but she's not. She's like, they're going to rape me. They're going to beat me. And then they don't. And she's. Like, okay, but what are their motives? A couple of days later, Dumont shows up and he finds out where she is. He comes knocking on Isaac and Maria's door and is like, I am here for Sojourner. And Isaac and Maria were like, oh my God, dude, like she's, how much longer does she have left before the emancipation? A year? Okay. How much, like how much is that year worth to you? And they decided $20 which in modern day money is like somewhere between five and $600. And so they paid him. I doubt that they just had that money just laying around. So I wonder if like they went to the church and like raised the money. I'm not really sure, but they paid him and Dumont was like, okay, fine. You can, she can stay. So Jorner, unsurprisingly was confused by this situation because yeah. she had, no one had ever showed her charity like that before, you know? Mm-hmm. So she, she's like, okay, I guess these are my slave owners now. And she calls Maria master. And Maria's like, oh, no, 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 no. Like they sit her down and they're like, no, we're, you, you are your own person now. Like you can stay. And if you stay, you know, you can help around the house because you're living here, but you can leave whenever you want. You're not, that was just charity. And she's like, was just like, what? Like, can you just imagine like, no one has ever shown you this kind of charity and grace in your fucking life. So I'm not surprised that it took her some time to 
she's like, well, what's the catch? Like, yeah, that's what I'm imagining her saying is being like, okay, what do you want in exchange for this? And they're like, nothing. And she's like, uh, but, but no, but for real, what do you want? Yeah, she had never <laughs> like, known nothing. this. So it took a while, but eventually she was like, okay. I, and she starts to trust these people. She starts going to church. I don't think she went to their church. She found, it says that at this time she went she started attending a Methodist church on the regular and they were Quakers. I'm not sure if maybe those religions were intertwined at some point. I don't know. But so she starts going to church. She starts trusting these people that July 4th, 1827 date is coming up. And she finds out that Dumont had sold her son to a farm in Alabama. Oh, um, shit. That's far away, too. And Alabama Holy fuck. is a slave state still. There was a clause in the law, the, the emancipation law, that um so it's not like whenever July 4th, 1827 came, bam, everybody was free. All minors could had to stay with their with their slave owner, which I think was written in to kind of be like, well, in case their parents are dead, we don't just need to like throw these kids off out on the street. So they would stay in the ownership of their slave owners until they were 20. But you can't sell them to another, you can't sell them to a state that is not like ending slavery was part of the law. So he'd broken the law and Sojourner finds out because she had every intention of like trying to get her kids as soon as she could, you know, as soon as she got set up and stable. And so when she finds out that her son has been sold to Alabama, (gasps) she, it's like gut punch and that rage she felt whenever he had lied to her and didn't free her when he said she was going to all came back. Could you even imagine? Yeah. Like, I would be so incredibly pissed off and I would want that guy thrown in jail, period, period. So she is like, what, what can I even do? And she decides she's going to take legal action. Like somebody tells her like, no, that's against the law. Like you could take them to court. And she's like, okay, what does that mean? What does that entail? Like she doesn't know any, she doesn't know anything about this kind of stuff. You know, she's been living on farms her whole life. She doesn't know anything about the legal system. She never had rights. Right. Yeah, she's um, never had rights. <laughs> doesn't know anything about the legal system. And so the church pulls together $20 and they're like, you need to go hire a lawyer and they will take care of all this for you. She goes to hire this lawyer. The lawyer's fee is $5 and she just gives him the whole 20 And um, the people in her ch- church were like, no, you should, you should. You should have just given him $5, but she doesn't understand money management. You know, like she doesn't, mm-hmm. she's just like, well, wouldn't it be if I give him more money, he's going to do better. And it's just like, it's just things that we take for granted, understanding have never having been in that kind of situation. She just doesn't even, yeah, whatever that's, it was worth every single penny she had to get her son back. So they go to court and she wins. This is, I'm not sure if it's the first time that a black woman took a white man to court, um, but it's one of the first times. And it's, I think it's the first time that a black woman won against her former slave owner. That is awesome. Isn't that awesome? I told you there was going to be good things in this story. (laughs) And so baby Peter, about a couple months later, is back with her. And she is just so overjoyed. And she's like, you know what? We need to get away from Dumont. 
I don't want to be anywhere that like, I don't want him to know where we are. I don't want him, which, you know, maybe she's afraid that he's going to retaliate against her or something. Cause that's yeah. for him. That's probably humiliating that he lost against one of his former slaves, you know? So like, fuck you fragile dick energy over here. She's like, I don't need this in my life. We're going to get the fuck out. Um, this is about the time that she changes her name to Sojourner. Truth. Okay. Um, I guess her last name, I'm not sure what her last name would have been at this before that, but she changes it to Sojourner Truth. Sojourner means, I'm not sure what language, but it means um, temporary dweller. So she's basically being like, um, I'm doing what I need to do in this life to secure my afterlife because I'm only temporarily here on the earth. Um, so y'all do you, you do what you do. I'm going to do what I do to make sure that, cause I'm, I'm only here for a short time, make sure I got my shit set up for the afterlife. And then truth is just truth. So she takes off to New York city, which was about 90 miles. So not a short distance when you don't have a car. Um, this yeah. is why people don't usually move very far. Cause I, I, you know, I remember whenever we studied like slavery and the aftermath of slavery when we were in high school and my dumb ass was just like well if after slavery if they had such a hard time in you know reconstruction south why didn't black people move north and my dumb ass is thinking oh get get on a bus and move like no you can't like it's not an easy <laughs> thing to do but no. she did it and she, she changed her name she moved to the city and she gets a job as a housekeeper because, um, I mean, that's really the only skill she has. So I'm going to gloss over a little bit because it gets weird. Um, she kind of joins a cult. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She um, she starts, you know, her job house cleaning is for this dude named Elijah. Elijah runs this evangelical quote unquote church. It's very culty. Um, she moves in to the cult house place. They call it the kingdom, which again, culty. Um, Elijah uh-huh. ends up dying and some people, some other people in the cult say Sojourner poisoned him so that she could take his money. And so she goes to court with some white people again there is no evidence that she had any, like, dude just died. It was the 1830s. People just fucking died. You know, like there was, there was no evidence. So she was acquitted, but then she is like, guys, I I'm trying to be a housekeeper. Like if people think that there's any chance that I poisoned the last guy I worked for, no one's going to hire me. So she takes them to court for defamation and wins. Nice. Right? So she didn't just take some asshole white people to court once, but twice in her life and won both times. So she is here for the legal system now. She's like, now that it applies to me, (laughs) I'm going to make it work for me. Um, However, after all of this is done, um, she's kind of broke. Her kids are grown up now. um, So she's like... She's at a bit of a crossroads in what to do in her life. Now, rewind back to like right after she got her freedom and like started going to that church. She actually started preaching at that church sometimes. And she would incorporate singing into her preaching. And people really liked her. She was a really captivated captivating speaker which we'll talk about a little bit also 
and she sang really pretty. So it was like, she's like, well, I think this is what God is telling me to do. I think, you know, my kids are gone. I don't got a job. I really don't have any money. I think I need to become a traveling preacher. So that's what she does. She just, that's cool. She sells her possessions. She like literally, you know, how like in cartoons back in the day, you would see when somebody was like homeless or whatever, they would have like a stick with like a blanket wrapped around it with like their few possessions. She did that. Yeah. (laughs) She did. Yes. She, and you know, she she didn't travel with a lot. She didn't have anything. She was living the life of a traveling preacher and she was actually doing okay for herself. Um, She would draw pretty big crowds. This was kind of along the time you remember, like in Victoria Woodhall's episode, we talked about how it was just sort of like people didn't have anything else to do. So if somebody new comes to town and is going to be doing a speech, you're going to go. So she kind of got a reputation as this really great preacher hopping from town to town in a time when there weren't a whole lot of female preachers. I think her and Victoria Woodhull would have gotten along very well, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, what well, in her travels, she joins a hippie commune. <laughs> it's- so she's in a cult. She's in a hippie commune. Wow. This the hippie, is extra. The hippie, I know the hippie commune doesn't seem to have like the cultiness of the Carl's Manson there. No, like (laughs) it like seemed like it was actually just a bunch of chill people that just wanted to live in a commune. And um, it was actually fairly well-respected. They had, they ran a um, silk farm and um, while she lived there, she met Frederick Douglass. Oh, cool. Sadly, the commune didn't work out. Like the uh, silk farm just wasn't making enough money to sustain everybody. And um, so it kind of closed down and she went to go work for one of the dudes that had owned it. He was like, this isn't working out. I have a cotton mill, a couple, uh, I think they, I think it was in Michigan, I think is where this was. And she was like, yeah, sure. I, I'll, I'll come work at your cotton mill. Um, and so she would work all day. And then at night she started dictating her biography. You know, she couldn't, I think at this point she could, I think at this point she could read and write a little bit, but it would, it was a lot easier for her to dictate it to somebody. Cause yeah, somebody, I guess she was just Mm -hmm. like telling her life story to a friend and they were like, wait, what (laughs) you did. Yeah. And then then a cult. And then, (laughs) and then he didn't give you your freedom. And the, and since she was like, yeah. And he was like, um, I think people want to hear this story. And so in 1850, one of the guys that she had met at the commune was this guy named William Lloyd Garrison. And he owned, uh. a, he owned a newspaper. He ran a publishing company. Um, and he was a very pro abolitionist. And so, yay, some white people that don't suck in this story. And, so she sends him her finished memoir and she was like, do you think you could publish this for me? And he reads it and he was like, oh, fuck yes. People are going to eat this shit up. <laughs> this is right before the Civil War. You know, the stories about trying to open the eyes of people who were on the fence about uh, emancipation was a big hot topic. So these kind of stories were like flying off the shelves. So they titled it narrative of sojourner truth, the story of a Northern slave. And she made enough money off that to buy her own damn house. 
Yes. Yes. That's so awesome. You don't hear about that, like black women in that time being able to afford a home. I don't think it was very common. Yeah. I think most of the no. people, once they ended slavery, they a lot of times just ended up doing like the same kind of work, like housework or field work. Um, but no, she is now a best-selling author. And she, I don't think she was, I don't think she was living in a mansion or anything, but she owned her own home. That is so like, I don't, it makes me so happy. <laughs> like, cause it's not something yeah. that a lot of people this time made it to. So she's starting to get a little bit older. She doesn't really need to be doing housework and stuff anymore because she's got this little chunk of change from the book. But she's not ready to completely settle down yet. And public speaking, it she's good at it. People want to hear it. People want to hear from uh, abolitionists and stuff like that right now. And so, again, like Victoria Woodhull, she starts... She starts taking her story on the road, kind of almost like a book tour. Um, except uh, not, it's not. I just, real- I just looked up. Uh, I just looked up photos of her home. It's actually a really nice home. Like it's a yeah. two-story house, and it's pretty big. Yeah, like go her going on speaking tours, making that money. Yeah, mm. she did okay for herself. She did like run into a little bit of money problems later on because, like we mentioned, she doesn't really. She wasn't raised to like know how to. She wasn't expected to ever have to balance a checkbook you know like so she didn't Mm -hmm. she wasn't always great with her money but still she had a house she was on the road doing speaking events and i'm gonna kind of glaze over it a little bit because it's just a lot of um she just for the next few years just lots of speaking engagements she also teamed up with the suffragettes um which is another reason that i'm like oh her and victoria woodhull i think would have really gotten along i wonder if they I couldn't find anything to say that they met each other, but I wonder if they did. Um, so we're going to get to her. What she's most famous for now is actually after all of that in 1854. <laughs> yeah. In 1854, she did a speech at the Akron, Ohio's women's right rights convention. And now it's called the ain't I a woman speech. Uh, you know, they didn't, record people back then. So it's kind of debated exactly what she said, but the basic gist of it was a lot of people that didn't want women to have equal rights were like, well, if you have equal rights, men aren't going to treat, treat you with the deference they do now. You're not, you know, no one's going to pull out chairs for you. No one's going to be like um, open doors for you and stuff like that. And so the basic gist is like, um, I plowed the fields no one did that for me. Ain't I a woman? I, no one opens my doors. Uh, no one's ever, I haven't lived a genteel life. Ain't I still a woman? And um, my, you can look it up online uh, or like with the guess of kind of what it says. There's a couple different versions. Uh, it's not very long, but these are my favorite parts. Um, that little man in the black, he says women can't have as much rights as men because Christ wasn't a woman. Where did your Christ come from? From God and a woman. Man had nothing to do with it. Bitch, <laughs> right? I'm living for this. Right? She is sass and a half, and I fucking love it. So, yeah. Over the next few years, she just really, she knew that her voice was one that was in demand, and she tried the rest of her life to just 
work for causes that she believed in, mainly abolition, like the abolitionist movement, freeing the slaves. And then after emancipation, she really threw her weight behind being like, okay, we can't just free slaves and then be like, you're welcome and go off. Like we need to make sure they have places to go. We need to make sure like, so she really threw her weight behind trying to make sure that people were aware of like, we need to have a plan. We need to have a next step. She worked with this program that worked towards getting land and employment for previous slaves. And she just, she went out and used her voice for as long as she had it. She just really hustled. Um, She met president Lincoln her and Abraham Lincoln had a had a meeting. Wow, that's right? crazy. <laughs> and I, I think it was you know just like a PR thing, but still, she mm. she's meeting the fucking president, little little Isabella from the farm who didn't grow up speaking English, who got the shit beat out of her and all this stuff. She is having a sit down with the president of the United States, and they discuss the Bible. They like he showed her this Bible that had been given to her or given to him by um, a group of formerly enslaved people. And they talked about like the importance of merging the cultures and stuff like that. And just how awesome is that? I know that's so cool. In 1883, she is the, that's the year she passed away. So she was probably about 90. So for that time and for living that hard of a life like that, is just crazy impressive. Um, she lived on her farm or on her at her house with her daughter and her daughter's husband and her grandchildren. So she was surrounded by loved ones when she passed. Um, then a couple weeks later, Frederick Douglass gave a speech in Washington, D.C., commiserating her life. And at her like where she's buried, there's a monument of her and President Lincoln together. So that's cool. Yeah. And Frederick Douglass, in Frederick Douglass's speech, he says that she should be an example for anyone that wants to support reform from now until like the end of America. And I happen to agree. So that's Sojourner Truth right? Life. Oh my gosh. Like that, I did not know about 90% of that story. Right. Seriously. And the, I, I that's what like when the first part was such a bummer. I was like, I promise it's gonna get better. How this is not a movie yet, <laughs> I don't understand. Or a miniseries. I know. <sighs> it's. It, I feel like it will be eventually. It has to be. I know, right? Well, thanks for going on this journey with me, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, and cheers to this badass bitch. Cheers to this badass bitch. To you, Sojourner. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.